everyone, and welcome to the very first official episode of Mipliophile. I'm Melissa, and today we are going to be discussing Moxie by Jennifer Matthew. Moxie is about a high schooler named Vivian who is finding herself more and more fed up with the way the girls at that school are treated both by the male student body and by the teachers. So, inspired by her mother's old riot girl days from the 80s and 90s, Vivian starts making these zines that she calls Moxie and starts distributing them throughout the school and a lot of surprising things start to happen in her school and people are starting to stand up to the sexism that they experience. I really enjoyed this book and I would definitely give it a 5 out of 5 star rating. I think that it is a very interesting book to read. It's really uncomfortable in a lot of ways, but in a lot of ways that it needs to be, and in some ways I really wish I had had a book like this when I was growing up, when I was in high school and things like that, but I think it's an important read for anybody, and I will get more into my final thoughts um, more in depth a bit later. Starting from here, there's going to be a more in-depth discussion about the book. This is going to include Spoilers as I go uh, portion by portion, almost page by page in some parts, discussing some important things that really stood out to me in the book. So uh, from here I am saying spoiler warning as well as trigger warning for uh, sexism, misogyny, and rape. So if any of those things might make you uncomfortable, then now would probably be the best time to turn away because this book, while not being super hardcore or gritty, does tackle those issues and I'm going to be tackling the issues as well in this episode of the podcast. So you would be best to turn away now if those things, if you're sensitive to such topics. That said, let's get this discussion started with the dedication page. The dedication reads as follows. For all the teenage women fighting the good fight, and for my 12th grade current topics teacher for calling me a feminazi in front of the entire class, you insulted me but also sparked my interest in feminism, so really the joke is on you. Revenge is best served cold, you jerk. Now, for some people there could be a lot to unpack there. Personally, I just thought that it was both hilarious and just right on the nose. Calling out men, calling out bad men, and the way they react to girls standing up for themselves, standing up for feminism in general, I think just is a really good way to start the book with a little, with this little anecdote from Jennifer Matthew herself. And it's a good way to demonstrate how people can get into the fight, how people get inspired in the first place to fight for what they believe in. And while it's awful that Jennifer Matthew had to experience something like this, I think it's also great in a way that she was able to find something that inspired her to write a book of this magnitude.
The next point I wanted to bring up is on page three, uh, the new girl, Lucy, starts talking about, starts trying to discuss something in class, and the school football star, Mitchell Wilson, makes the ever-so-original comment, make me a sandwich, which, of course, disgusts Lucy, who is from uh, Houston, she's from a much bigger town, Texas is obviously not a super liberal state, but she's off, but she comes from a place that's at least a bit less conservative than a small town like where Vivian is from. So this takes her off guard, and it really upsets her. The thing that stood out most to me is that while Vivian was obviously just as incensed as the other girls, um, Vivian still, when she sees Lucy in the... Uh, cafeteria later, Lucy is on her own, and Vivian contemplates inviting Vivian over to sit with her friends, but Vivian, in the end, doesn't. And she comments to herself, maybe I'm not so nice after all. Now, obviously I don't condone such uh, actions. I think it's best to attempt to uh, stand up for your fellow girls whenever possible, but I know that that isn't always the easiest thing to do. Because I've also been in those situations where I'm not entirely sure how exactly to go about just up and introducing myself to a strange girl, regardless of the circumstances. Case in point, very recently when I was on the bus to my job, there was this kind of creepy man who came up to me and noticed I was wearing a Disney shirt that matched the Lunar New Year one that he was wearing. I was wearing the Minnie Mouse shirt and he was wearing the Mickey Mouse shirt. So he he compliments me on that and that's all well and good until he chuckles and says, hey, we should hold hands. At which point that put me off, obviously. Well, I go through the entire hour or so bus ride just kind of humoring the guy uncomfortably, and at the end, a girl comes up to me and says that she's also dealt with that man, and that she had been on high alert for listening for him to say something creepy in her earshot so that she could tell him basically to fuck off. And she, it, the, the fact that she had my back, even though I didn't know that the entire time, it made me feel really good and at ease as soon as uh, she came up to me, even though it was at the end. And that was, honestly, it was all right that she didn't come up to me sooner. But I was in a similar situation on my way home. That man came back on the bus and was uh, going back to where I was going to, uh, came back when I was going home. And he only waved at me. It wasn't that much of an issue that time, but I did notice that he was talking to another girl. So I did the same thing that the girl had done for me, and I just kind of kept an eye on him and was listening, and he didn't say anything this time to her that stood out as being particularly creepy or inappropriate, so I never ended up going up to uh, say anything, and then Part of me does regret that I didn't go and talk to that girl and let her know that 
uh, if she'd been uncomfortable or if he'd said anything inappropriate, someone would have been there for her to uh, tell him to back off. And I really wish I would have done that because, like I said, just knowing that someone had been there after the fact was still really reassuring. And I do regret not bringing it up to her, to this other girl, when I got off the bus. But, you know, we still have to be there for each other. And I think that is one of the messages that this part is trying to convey, even though Vivian... Real, even though Vivian doesn't act on it, I think she does She does come to realize later on that it would have been a good idea to do it then, and she does act on it later on in the book. So for a little bit of levity, for a little bit of a lighter topic, I want to talk about something real quick that I guess you could say kind of bothered me. It's a little bit of a critique with the book, and it's it, but it's really, really minor. Basically, starting on page 17, well, before that, we get introduced to uh, Vivian's cat, who her mother has named Joan Jett, obviously of the Runaways fame. And I found it really funny, but also kind of odd, because on page 17, and basically for the very first few mentions of this cat, uh... Jennifer Matthew makes a point to bring up that they are talking about the cat rather than the actual Joan Jett, just in parentheses, several times during these first few pages where the cat is brought up, she mentions that it's the cat Joan Jett and not the actual Joan Jett. And, I don't know, it just kind of came off as the author assuming that whoever's reading the book isn't going to know enough about the Runaways and Joan Jett to know via the context that she's not talking about the cat or that she's not talking about the singer. But, I don't know, maybe I'm alone in this. Maybe I'm the only one reading this book who does need that sort of distinct- who doesn't need that sort of distinction. Because I'm- I listen to The Runaways not a whole- not as much as some of the other bands, but I know The Runaways and, in fact, I'm actually related to Carrie Crome, who started The Runaways with Joan Jett back in the day. So maybe it's just that my background includes knowledge of The Runaways that I don't, that I feel I don't need that clarification and it felt redundant to me. But mostly I just found it kind of amusing and kind of odd. It kind of offset the pace of these first few chapters. But like I said, it was just a really minor complaint and I don't even know if this is something that other people even picked up on. But it was something that stood out to me, and it's something I kind of wanted to bring up, just in case other people were thinking that it was kind of unnecessary as well. Just because I feel like this demographic who is reading Moxie, who is attracted to this idea of Moxie and the Riot Girls, probably have at least a base understanding of the Runaways and of who Joan Jett is, enough to be able to differentiate when they're talking about a cat named Joan Jett and the actual Joan Jett. Alright, here's where things are really going to start picking up, because come page 45, we have reached the part of the book where Vivian starts distributing her first uh, issue of the Moxie scene. And I just want to say that the segments of Moxie that include the pages of the zine are some of my favorite parts, because it's actually the two or three page mini magazine that Vivian creates and it's 
uh, a hand-drawn, handwritten uh, portion that kind of breaks from the regular paragraph format of uh, your standard novel. And I just absolutely love any book that includes or is even entirely comprised of alternative, sto alternative storytelling components, like including the pages of this zine. I just love it so much, and that is definitely a plus, and I think if you enjoy things like that, Moxie is going to be an interesting book for you to pick up, even if you're not the biggest fan of the genre or the subject matter. So, the first issue of Moxie that Vivian puts out is also the one that comes up with the slogan that the girls at the school all end up adopting, which is Moxie Girls Fight Back. And what triggers uh, this zine to be made is all of the stupid comments that the boys in their school tend to make, like earlier when I brought up uh, Mitchell telling Lucy to go make him a sandwich when she was trying to discuss something in class. This also includes the boys getting away with wearing very inappropriate shirts, like one that says, Great legs, when do they open? And uh, swiveling their hips suggestively during pep rallies and having girls feel either uncomfortable or really shy about it and them thinking it's really funny and things like that. So, what what Vivian is trying to accomplish in this first zine, well, she doesn't really know, but she's just filled with such righteous anger at how the boys treat the girls at this school and what they're able to get away with. So she makes this so she makes this uh, zine just trying to call attention to it. And the first call to action that, she attempts to bring up is having the girls of her school uh, drawing hearts and stars all over their hands just to as a way to show solidarity to see who all is has seen the zines and who is just as fed up with what's going on so on the day that Vivian tells the girls to put the stars and hearts on their hands, she goes to school with the stars and hearts on her hands, and she looks around and she notices not very many people have done it, and her friends had all expressed their doubts and their confusion as to whether or not they thought it would do anything, and none of them have done it with her, although they all give her some encouraging words, tell her that they're glad that she thinks that it can, that, you know, that she's so optimistic about it, even though none of them really get it. And it's not until Vivian excuses herself to go to the bathroom, almost in tears, to wash off the stars and hearts, that she sees another girl who did it, and this girl is someone she grew up with, they were friends back in middle school, back in elementary school, Kiara, and Kiara also has the stars and hearts on her hands, so they get to talking for a little bit, and 
Vivian goes back to class feeling a bit more confident and a bit more renewed in her desire to keep these efforts going. And she also notices that Lucy, the new girl, has the stars and hearts on her hands as well. So she uh, ends up, this is when she ends up talking to Lucy and finally starting to become her friend. On top of Lucy, there's another new kid. His name is Seth, and Vivian is almost instantly attracted to him. And she notices on this day that he has also put stars and hearts on his hand, which means he also read the zine and he also seems to support this uh, endeavor, whereas most of the other kids think that it's really stupid and uh, they uh, either make fun of it or Mitchell uh, had straight up stolen Lucy's copy of Moxie and had thrown it away in front of her after jeering at what it said inside. And Vivian feels a lot more powerful and a lot better about the idea after seeing that Lucy and Seth and Kiara had all gone through with it. And even though it's a really small effort, she knows it's a good start. And she's really excited for what has begun at the school. Alright, now let's get into uh, Moxie issue 2. Now, what is the inspiration behind this issue is the dress code checks that the administrators at the school are issuing. And all of the girls think it's incredibly unfair that it's all girls who are being targeted and no boys. The administrators will disrupt learning and uh, pull students out of, even when they're taking a test, they'll pull them out of class just to have them change clothes because their strap is too thin or whatever other case it may be. And this is something that they will randomly do throughout the year several times just and will call girls out in the middle of class, force them to stand up and point out what they feel is wrong with their clothes, and then force them to leave class to change into ugly, stained gym clothes. Lucy, when she sees this, refers to all of the girls who are um, dressed in these clothes as Hester Prins, which I thought was an incredibly... Uh, an incredibly clever uh, use of uh, reference. And obviously this is something that a lot of girls have to face. I have been forced to change myself before uh, when I was in class. And it's really ridiculous, really, that they've force girls to change just because the boys wouldn't be able to focus, and this is something that has always been an excuse. I've heard this excuse when I was in school. Other girls have to hear this excuse as well, and it's super not fair. And one of the things that ends up making Vivian go home and create the zine is the administrators issuing a... Uh, issuing 
an announcement in the morning that includes the term modesty is a virtue that never goes out of style and that just incenses her so much along with every other girl and the fact that one of her friends also gets targeted for this and then her her family doesn't really well her mom totally agrees that it's unfair but her grandparents who are a bit more conservative don't really have her back as much and it sends her home with a bad taste in her mouth so she goes home and creates the second ep issue of her zine and the thought she has her final thought before the zine uh, segment is maybe my mother is right maybe I'll leave East Rockport one day but first I need to set it on fire and I think that is just such a powerful statement to end off the chapter with and a really interesting sentiment in her into Vivian's desire to change things at her school for the better even if she leaves town one day even if she goes to school somewhere else for college and doesn't end up coming back to the place that she called home she wants to change it for the future which I think is a great thing to want to do because she wants to help people that aren't just her that aren't just her friends she wants to change the entire environment of her high school which is just a mind-blowing task and the fact that she is able to do that and that she really does start something of a revolution in her school with just these zines is super inspiring and I think that's something that we should all take into account and that sh we should let it remind us that we can do more we can always do more we can always make a difference if we just try this call to action in the in the second issue of the zine uh, causes a bit more of a ripple effect it starts with just a handful of girls including Lucy and Vivian wearing bathrobes to school as an effort to um, appeal to the dress code which is worded so vaguely that they can use it to just you know they can you they can bend it to their will and use it to expose or punish anybody they feel like really so the call to action is for every girl to wear a bathrobe to school on the following Friday and this is just you know to wear something as unobtrusive and plain as possible and what happens is a few people come to school wearing the bathrobes but as the day goes on more and more people seem to have come out of the woodworks wearing bathrobes a lot of girls had brought their bathrobes to school to put on later if they saw that other people were doing it so by the end of the day the numbers had almost doubled so while less than half of the girls of the school had started participating it was still a huge effect that this had and it ended up culminating in uh, the dress code checks stopping now Vivian points out that this could have just been part of the routine because like I said this is something that 
happens at this school often they will just start randomly doing dress code checks in earnest for several days or several weeks and then just stop but Vivian just to give herself a little bit of an ego boost and feel good about it wants to attribute a little bit of the dress code check stopping to her new issue of moxie and Personally, I'm sure that it definitely had something to do with it. The next event that really sticks out is when Lucy approaches Vivian. Of course, Lucy doesn't know that Vivian is the starter of Moxie because Vivian has kept it a secret up till now. She's been anonymously distributing the flyers throughout the girls' bathroom, so nobody knows who Moxie, who the girl, who the Moxie girls are, but. Lucy, inspired by the anonymity of it, creates her own idea and starts and distributes a flyer of her own advertising a Moxie bake sale. And uh, she believes rightly that the Moxie girls in their anonymity are fine with them using with other girls using the brand, which is actually almost exactly what Vivian was hoping for. So, uh, she do Vivian doesn't mention that she started Moxie or anything, but she uh, encourages Lucy to go ahead with the idea of this bake sale because Lucy wants to raise funds for the girls' soccer team, which doesn't get nearly as much attention as the boys' football team does. And the girls' soccer team, which Kiara is a part of, are using subpar equipment and very old, very raggedy uniforms from an unknown amount of years in the past. So Lucy really wants to try to raise some proceeds for the girls soccer team and it ends up going really well and uh, Lucy has put her name officially on Moxie at least for the sake of the quote-unquote club because she, someone needed to put their name down in order to get a permit for the bake sale. And this ends up causing some problems later, but we'll get to that a little bit further down. Next we're going to be talking about issue number three of Moxie. Now, what inspires this one is an awful game that the boys at school at this school play called bump and grab where they pretend to accidentally bump into a girl and use it as an opportunity to grope them or uh, touch their side or their butt or um, to snap their bra strap or any other sort of inappropriate manhandling of the women and obviously this makes many many girls uncomfortable Vivian is one such victim of them, and uh, what actually sparks her desire to do something about it, to call another, to make another call to action, is Claudia, her best friend, comes to her and confesses that Mitchell Wilson had cornered her in an empty hallway and uh, fondled her and would not let go despite what despite her protestations and Claudia actually went and reported it to the uh, administrators and 
they didn't do anything about it. They even went as far as to tell her that she should have just enjoyed it and enjoyed the attention she got. So what what um, Vivian does to react to that is she includes in the third issue of Moxie little stickers that are extra adhesive that say, you're an asshole, XOXO Moxie. And she includes a bunch of these stickers with each and every issue that she puts out and encourages the girls to tag the boys' lockers. And it goes over very well. A lot of girls end up going through and tagging Mitchell Wilson's locker several times, as well as uh, tagging other boys' lockers. And someone even puts, uh, stick puts stickers on the bumpers of Principal Wilson's car. Because of all this, the girls are called out for vandalism, and Lucy, because she had put her name on the Moxie Bake Sale, ends up getting in trouble for it, and she gets suspended. And her and several other girls express that they think that perhaps Moxie should go on hiatus and wait until things kind of die down a little, so Vivian does just that. For a while, she puts out no issues of Moxie, and everything just kind of goes back to normal around the school, and nothing is really done about anything else. Now, next we're going to talk about issue four of Moxie. This is an issue that Vivian puts out in response to another little game that the boys play that pits girls against one another called March Madness, where basically they rank the girls based on their attractiveness, or I guess, I don't think it actually says it per word for word in there, but basically their fuckability, which, you know, that is demeaning in a lot of ways, and it pits girls against one another in a way that we shouldn't be fighting. And that's basically what uh, Vivian points out in the fourth issue of Moxie. However, in this one, there is no call to action. There is just a reminder that the Moxie girls are always watching. The next activity that's organized under Moxie's name is an arts and crafts show, which is organized by Kiara and her friend Amaya. This is to also raise money for the girls' soccer team. And it's a girls-only event, which is a really awesome idea, and it's held off of school grounds so that the principal has no jurisdiction over it, which was a great idea on Kiara's part, I think. And there's not a whole lot to say that stood out in particular about this, at least not in the way of feminism or anything. It was just a really cute idea However, one of the things that did stand out to me is uh, towards the end of this chapter, there is a time where Vivian is helping to clean up the event, and she catches two girls who have been a bit more vocal than some of the others about the injustices, 
despite not really being involved with Moxie or friends with Vivian, she catches them in a tight embrace and uh, kissing, and she promises not to tell anyone about it because this is such a conservative small town in Texas, and it's uh, Vivian recognizes that it's not a good idea to mention to anybody, not even Claudia or Lucy, that she just caught two girls kissing. And I think that is a really good thing to uh, bring up. And, I mean, obviously as someone who is also bisexual and on the ace spectrum, uh, anytime that there is uh, LGBT rep, then... There's going, I'm going to be scrutinizing it a little bit, but I recognize that this book isn't really necessarily about those types of struggles, and it's fine that it's not a main focus, and it's nice that it's just something that's acknowledged as being a thing, and while it's always nice to have representation, it's, I can also recognize when it's not the biggest of deals if it's not the center of attention, and I'm fine with that in this particular instance. Alright, now we're going to talk about what is most definitely the climax of this story. Another person who is not Vivian has uh, put out another moxie statement. This time it's calling for a walkout. And this is because, uh, as the flyer states, I'm tired of being silent. Mitchell Wilson tried to rape me at a party. I won't be quiet anymore. Principal Wilson and the administration of ERHS refuse to listen to me. If you support this walkout, you support all girls. You support a movement that refuses to tolerate violence against girls. And this ends up getting Lucy suspended, even though it's well known that she is not the perpetrator of this. She is not the one who put out this flyer. Uh, Principal Wilson still suspends her in order to attempt to keep her from inciting this walkout on the Friday that it's being called for. However, it turns out that the person who put this flyer out is actually a, a girl named Emma, who up to this point I haven't really brought up because she's not a major player, except now this girl who is the good girl, the smart girl, the valedictorian to be, basically, has, and who had previously spoken out against Moxie at the behest of Principal Wilson, has called on this, and Emma is the one who was hurt by Mitchell, and she is the one who, on this Friday, is the first person to stand up and the first person to leave. And Vivian walks out with her, along with most of the female student body of the school, all of whom are, after all this moxie things going on this year, are tired of how they've been treated. So, at this walkout, it's revealed that Emma is the one who was almost raped by Mitchell, and Vivian is exposed as being the girl who started moxie. And all of this is going on as Principal Wilson and the other administrators are actively trying to make true on their threats of expulsion and suspension. And at the same time, of course, this is being recorded. And from her place at home, Lucy is 
is collecting all of these posts and she is making her own blog post and that post goes viral and it ends up exposing the awful conditions that are under Principal Wilson's rule at this school. So the book ends with Principal Wilson and the other administrators who stood by and did nothing to protect the girls getting fired. Principal Wilson and his son Mitchell and their, the rest of their family end up leaving town. And in the end, uh, Vivian and Emma agree to join forces along with Lucy and Vivian's other friends to keep Moxie going in the next year and to allow and to just keep the movement going strong and continuing to fight the fight that they've started this year. It really goes without saying just what about this book is really relevant, especially right now. Basically, if you ask me, feminism is never not relevant because women are still fighting for their rights to exist and basically just to not be belittled by men or other women or anyone else who is who are trying to continue to suppress women and their ideas in any way shape or form no matter how big or small now what stood out to me in recent weeks is the very recent school shooting and the connection that i make to this book is the way that the students are reacting students are fed up with the way that uh, they're being treated and with the current gun control that doesn't keep them safe. And they're proposing a walkout in much a similar way that Moxie did at the, at the East Port, at the, at the school in the book. And the book demonstrates that such a thing can really make a huge difference. And... We just, anyone who wants to make a difference just has to go out there and start it. Start it because if someone doesn't start it, then nothing ever will start. And it's really important that we put ourselves out there in some small way just to fight for what we believe in. And that is what the students who went to the school that what that was recently victim of a school shooting that's what they're doing and that's what the girls in moxie did and i think that anyone who does it is heroic and they are starting something revolutionary even if it doesn't seem like it they are and it's really important to recognize that and to be supportive of anyone who's doing it to say that i enjoyed this book would be a bit of an understatement it's provocative, it's uncomfortable, it's funny, it's heartwarming. It's a pretty accurate description of what it's like in high school, which is sad, but also pretty nice because it's not always easy to capture the views and the mannerisms of high school students, but I think Jennifer Matthew does it very well. And she also brings up really true struggles that people go through in high school, including the sexism, but also just 
the regular things like worrying about crushes or homework or football games and all that stuff. Now, obviously I could bring up some gripes. I don't have very many. In fact, my biggest gripe is something that Emma Books on Book 2 brings up, and that is that the book itself doesn't have all that much diversity, but as I said earlier, as Emma says in her video that I will uh, link to in the description of this episode, she says that there isn't a whole lot of diversity in this book. The Kiara and Amaya are both black. Lucy is um, of Mexican or Spanish descent, as is Seth, as is implied by his last name, which is Acosta. Um, so, you know, we do have that, and we do have the two girls who are in the closet as being lesbian or bisexual, which is nice, and it's a shame that they're not quite at the forefront of the story as much, but as I said earlier, it is a small conservative Texas town, and it's not necessarily the main focus of this particular story, and I think it doesn't, I think it makes some sense as to why it's not something that's hugely focused on, and in some cases, I think that that's alright, and I think that this book handles it in handles it well enough that it isn't really all that problematic, even if it could, as with most things, could use a bit more diversity in its cast. That said, if there were ever hope for some sort of sequel or companion novel to Moxie, I think what I would love to see is um, something of like um, a mini-episode, episodic type of book where uh, Vivian, with the help of the other girls who have now joined her movement, uh, continues to put out Moxie zines, and we see the zine, like we did in this book, and we see some of the aftermath. And the new zines all focus on particular aspects of feminism that are not focused on in this book, such as the woman of color versus uh, white women uh, feminism argument, or focusing on the LGBT community and feminism. Things like that, and I would love to see um, what happens with uh, the aftermath of each of those zines, just like we get to see in this one with the aftermath of the zines that uh, Vivian puts out this in this school year. I would love to see a continuation of that and see the reactions of everybody going forward. Alright, the last thing I want to talk about real quick is Seth Acosta. Now, I didn't really bring him up all that much prior to this, despite the fact that he plays a decently big role in the story. He is the first person, other than the uh, copy, the copy store owner Frank, who finds out what Vivian is doing. He so Seth knows from issue two that Moxie is Vivian's doing, and he is incredibly supportive of it. He thinks it's really cool, and I just want to say that I don't dislike 
Seth, or the romance between him and Vivian, but because it was... It's such a minor plot point, really. It's not a big thing that's... It's not, like, the main meat of the story. It's... It ended up not really being the sort of thing I thought I I thought was necessary to bring up in my discussion of this book. However, it is great that he is supportive, and even though he doesn't always understand and doesn't always get things right, he's willing to... He's always willing to change. He's always willing to try to learn from Vivian and from the other girls, and he really does make an attempt to understand the uh understand what the girls are going through even though he knows that he can't fully experience it the way that they, they do and that is awesome and i really and i'm really glad that we do have a male character who can be an ally to moxie and i think more people should be like seth more guys should definitely be like seth and understand that while not all guys are assholes, it's not really helpful to point that out. It's more helpful to just continue to show that you're not an asshole. If you don't have, you don't, you shouldn't have to tell people that you're not an asshole. You should just uh, remind them of that by simply not being an asshole. And that is a, that is a lesson that Seth learns, and he actually goes through with that. He just continues to show that he is an ally and he is supportive without having to continually remind the other girls that, hey, I'm not like that. So it's really good that he learns from that and it's and he is actually a really good character and you know, I just think that it's that focusing on the things that he does weren't the important points that I wanted to bring up. But I did want to talk about him just a little bit and say that I do support his character. But that's about all that I really have to say about Moxie. Um, so let's see if we can get some sort of a discussion going. What sort of things do you guys help to... What sort of things do you guys do to help feminism? What sort of things do you think you could do different in the grand scheme of things. Is there something you could do similar to Moxie in your school or perhaps even in your workplace if you see it's a problem? Personally, I'm not in school anymore, so I'm not really sure if there is something like this that I could do, but obviously there's always thing there's always things that can be done and there's always things that will be done and it's great to see that we have a book like this that can support that but yeah if you guys have anything you'd like to say about moxie or about feminism in general i would love to hear it obviously if you are against feminism or any of that sort of thing i'm not really sure why you ended up getting all the way to the end of this episode but i'm not really here to discuss anti-feminism so you can stay out of here with that. But other than that, I'm about done with this episode. Thanks you guys for listening, and I will see you guys in the next episode. Bye!